Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. I'm doing a reading from Mark chapter 1, verses 4 to 11. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie the throng of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Steve and Joan. You guys are the bomb. Nice job. Um, And nice job, Allie. I thought it was interesting that in that scripture, we heard about a guy who's dressed in camel's hair with a cool worship leader white yellow belt white yellow (laughs) white leather belt so that was good Allie. a little fashion in the first century and beyond welcome everybody Uh, i want to welcome some new folks that are joining us we just added a few more people it's so fascinating i always wonder like how in the world do people find genesis in the midst of the pandemic when we're online but they do so welcome to any of you who are new, uh, we we are a quirky little community of young people and not so young people who are trying to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings. So we've entered the season of Epiphany. We follow the church calendar around here. Epiphany began Wednesday, January 6th, and it's going to end, as Ali said, all the way in February, Tuesday, right before Ash Wednesday. Epiphany is a season where we'll see Jesus uncovered and revealed as the Christ, the divine one sent by God to reconcile the world with God and also to show us how to be human. But we saw something else uncovered on Wednesday, January 6th in our world as Epiphany began, when rioters erected a large cross before storming the Capitol, carrying signs that said, Jesus saves. 
They planted bombs, they erected a gallows, and they carried zip ties meant for kidnapping people. What we witnessed on Wednesday was not Christian. It was not a protest, and it wasn't patriotic. It was a vile and criminal deed done by people who are drunk on a deadly cocktail of nationalism and Christianity, whose Messiah is power and whose gospel is fear. So I want to ask an all-play question. What was going through your body as you watched those events happening? And maybe you saw them as they happened. Maybe you saw them later on that night. What was happening in your body? What was your reaction? Sadness, Libby. Yep, me too. Disgust and anger, Hannah. Yep, me too. Uh, Cassandra, my gut was upset. Oh, that was from Nate. Yep. Ryan Abbey out in Washington, disgust. Uh, Nico and Reagan, deep grief. Uh, Reagan, incredulity. They're, they're, coming, they're coming quick. Bob Timperley, incredulity. How is this allowed to happen? Reagan, a lot of tension over here. Michelle Blech, followed by a big body shiver. Yep. Cassandra, couldn't concentrate on anything else. Me neither. Hollowness, Peyton. Shame, Elizabeth. Uh, I think this is Kara. I can feel my body vibrating with anxiety and worry. Yep. Uh, Brian McWhite. The McWhite kids say they are felt very angry. Uh, and Brian felt sick to his stomach all day. Will hyperventilating. Ann Abby, anger, disgust. Um, yet not. Disbelief, illness. Jane and Jason couldn't believe I was surprised after we had everyone sign and warning. Uh, Dave Schlank, terror. Mark, embarrassed. Hannah, it affected the rest of my week. Bethany, my stomach dropped through the floor. I'm glad I don't live there anymore in D.C. Worry for my friends near the chaos. Holly, uh, from Jim, uh, need for a new beginning. Yes, yes, and yes. Um, I want to share a quote from Rene Girard, this French philosopher, theologian. I shared in the email this week, and he says this, and I quote, The God of Christianity isn't the violent God of archaic religion, but the nonviolent God who willingly becomes a victim in order to free us from violence. I'm going to say that again. And I quote, the God of Christianity is not the violent God of archaic religion, but the nonviolent God who willingly becomes a victim in order to free us from violence. That's Rene Girard. So what do we do in response to this? Well, I think number one, we lament. We lament the lives that were lost. We lament the fear and division that has been sown even further. And then I think it's important after we spend some time lamenting that we repent. We repent of the violence in our own hearts that wants others to be punished while we go free. We repent of the ways in which that we judge others that are different than ourselves. And then I think we follow Jesus into the creation of a new humanity one that acts justly, loves mercy, and walks humbly with God. Amen? That's what we need to do. And I want to say something else in as clear a way as I know how to say it, that uh, it's very important, I think, for those of us who follow Jesus, and for anyone for that matter, to not lump every single person that voted for Trump into the same category of the people that rioted and stormed the Capitol. That would be a gross error of judgment. That would be unfair. And that would be working disunity instead of unity. 
Let's be people that can see big a bigger picture, that there are more than just two groups of people in the world. Amen? <laughs> and for maybe, maybe it's time for some reckoning and some repenting, even of that. Certainly what we saw on Wednesday was vile and despicable. But let's be very careful uh, not to lump those actions in with people who felt like it was vile and despicable as well. Can I get an amen on that? All right. <laughs> Woo, we haven't even started preaching yet, you guys. We haven't even started. Well, all four lectionary passages this week, for you lectionary nerds that read all four passages, <laughs> we did you a favor and we at least read two of them for you. Thank you, Joan, and thank you, Brian. Um, all four portray God as a present and active participant in the human story. It's so fascinating on this first Sunday of, of Epiphany, where I think we're longing for some sense of what in the world, where is God when all this stuff happens? The, for all four passages reflect God as a present day participant in the human story. It's so good. They all seem to weave in and out of one another. If you read them, uh, it, it's all like they're all lines from the same poem, painting the same picture. From Genesis 1, what you heard from Brian, the earth was formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. Whew, what a beautiful poem. And then from Psalm 29, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. And doesn't that like match our longing? If only God would these days give us something. And then in Acts 19, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And maybe some of you are freaking out because of some <laughs> theological baggage right now. Um, maybe others of you are like, yes, yes, more of that. We see God as an active participant. And then in Mark 1, we just heard Joan read this. A voice came from heaven. You're my son, the beloved. With you, I'm well pleased. So all four passages are painting the same picture, speaking of a God who is active, present tense involved through water and through spirit. These two mysterious things, water and spirit. So I want to focus on the specific connections between Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and Mark 1, 4 through 11. So I'm going to read the beginning of Genesis 1 again. And I want to ask you, after I read it, to reflect what's happening, what you see happening. So this is from Genesis 1. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. So Keep your beginner's mind right now, you guys. Don't get all adult and theological unless you have to. That's fine. <laughs> Be a beginner. What do you see happening in those verses from Genesis 1? Let's let that be an all-play question. Kids, chime in. Everybody chime in. What do you see happening in this beautiful poem in Genesis 1? Mm. Cassandra, darkness was first. Yes. Mm. That's delicious. Uh, Jenny, chaos 
and God were present at the same time together. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Nate Banker, light being extracted from the dark. So we know that light first existed within darkness. That's fascinating, right? It wasn't separate at first. Woo. Rick Patton, there's something good in the chaos. Woo, I like that. That, that kind of sounds poetic. Maybe we should write a song about that. There's something good in the chaos. By the way, nice fun parts mug, Rick. I like that. Uh, from Danny Cook, God can always bring something out of nothing. Ooh, I like that. That'll preach these days, right? Uh, Steve Shawning, nothing stays the same. Whoa, that's a song too, maybe, Steve. Nothing stays the same. Wow. Uh, okay, from Ann Abby, both light and dark. The darkness stays as an important part of creation. Come on, people. Darkness wasn't sent away. Darkness remained and got named alongside light. And darkness wasn't even called bad. Come on, people. What? Mark, yes, darkness helps you appreciate the light, 100%. That's really true. That's really true. So often we want to just grab onto one and throw out the other, you know? But there's something in Genesis 1 that speaks to us needing both. Whew. Uh, okay, so I'm going to read a part from Mark 1 again. Okay, so Mark, the Gospel of Mark one of the stories of Jesus. And just so you know, in case you aren't aware, you know, there's four different accounts of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called the Gospels. And you got to wonder, like, why was there four? <laughs> like, why didn't they just make one? <laughs> it would have provided a whole lot less confusion for theologians across time. Well, I think my own opinion, you didn't ask, but I'll tell you, is the life of Jesus is so amazing and so mysterious and so spectacular that it took at least four and every single one of us could write our own. Amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Sarah. The gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Hannah. The gospel of Jesus Christ, according to Mitch. I mean, come on. So, okay, I am going off, and I need to get back on script. Let me read uh, the part from the last, the last part of the passage from Mark 1. And then I'm going to ask you again, what do you see? In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. So use the chat, the all play questions uh, to answer that all play question. What do you see happening in Mark chapter one here? What do you see happening? Remember that beginner's mind. Cassandra, God speaking directly for the first time in a while. Yes. God had been silent for 400 years or so. Rick, you see birth. Wow. Bob, you see yourself and your own son. Oh, man, you see... The picture as a father blessing a son. Exactly, Bob. Uh, Nate, Jesus hadn't done anything yet, but God was pleased. 
why do we feel like we have to scratch and claw for God's approval when Jesus himself is blessed for after before having done anything? Oh, man. Thank you for that, Nate. Uh, Ryan Abbey, you see a new beginning. Ryan, stealing my notes. I see. Brian McWhite, Father, Son, and Spirit present together, and the Father speaking again. Come on, people. Now we're, now we're cooking. Here we go. From Kara, newness. And it parallels the newness in the Genesis passage. Kaboom. <laughs> oh my gosh, Mary Martin Weens? Jesus participating in the same ritual as all the other seekers at the river. Wow. What does that mean? I'll get baptized. I'm the Messiah, but I'll get baptized. I'll, I'll do a baptism of repentance. I'll join the people. I'll submit to it. Whoa. Looks like humility, right? Well, in both passages, Genesis 1 and Mark 1, oh, Jenny Gullickson, water and spirit together again. That's a song. Someone write it. Come on. Uh, in both passages, there's water. In both passages, there's spirit. So you're right, Jenny. Water and spirit are back together again. In both passages, the spirit is hovering over and then descends. And in both passages, God speaks. Okay? So in the telling of the baptism of, of, of Jesus, I think you guys are onto it. Ryan Abbey was onto it. Kara was onto it. All of you are onto it. In telling the baptism of Jesus here on the first Sunday of Epiphany called the Baptism of Our Lord is the title. I believe the writer of Mark's gospel is intentionally echoing the pattern of the poem in Genesis 1 to tell us something. So another all play question. Keep that beginner's mind. What is the writer trying to tell us? Use the chat. All play. I don't know if I've used this many all play questions in the first 20 minutes of the talk, and I don't know what that's going to mean for the length of the talk today. I apologize in advance. I have a timer going though, so I promise I will try to keep it somehow. Okay, Danny Cook, Jesus represents a new and restored creation. Yes, yes. What else, you guys? Bob, Jesus the Christ was, is, and will be. Yes, yes, in more ways than one. In more ways than one. What else? Hannah, God is always present. Yes, yes, yes. If this passage in Mark 1 is a reflection of Genesis 1. What is the writer trying to tell us? Bob, that Christ was present in Genesis 1. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, John's Gospel says, and the Word was with God and the Word was God. Now, this is a, there's a difference between Jesus and the Christ, right? Different sermon. Go read some Richard Rohr if you want to Take, check that out. But Christ was present in Genesis 1. God is creator and recreator, Allie. Come on, baby. Uh, it's going so fast, I can't read it. God never walked away from what she created. Exactly. God continues to create. God continues to germinate and cultivate new beginnings. Um, Nico and Reagan, Regan, sorry. We have been here before and we will see light again, which is a message people needed to hear in the first century when there had been darkness for 400 years. 
Peyton, God surrounds us like water, surrounds us when we are immersed in it. Come on, Peyton. More than just a pretty face. <laughs> Come on, Peyton Green. You're preaching. Becky, we have been here before. We will be here again. Yes, there's a repetition to the pattern which gives hope that in times where there needs to be a new beginning, new beginnings come. The Tamez family, God, the creator, loving and blessing the created Jesus and the creation containing God. Come on. Yes. Yes. Nate Banker, doesn't baptism represent death? Yes. Life, death, rebirth. God is in the whole life cycle. Yes. 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 You guys are preaching. So. You're right, you guys. Oh, Ryan, this is Ryan. Jesus has always been here. We just have to accept him to realize it. Yes, yes, Ryan, so good. All the way from Washington. Well, I think you guys are right. I think the writer is trying to convey in a powerful and clear way that in Jesus, God is creating something entirely new, but also entirely old. <laughs> Both at the same time. But what new beginning is God creating in Jesus? What is being uncovered or revealed on the baptism of the Lord on this first Sunday of Advent? Well, I think, again, in the creation event of Genesis 1, the spirit hovered over the formless void, the tohu vavohu, right? Tohu vavohu, woo! The waters represent an unformed and empty wasteland. That's what tohu vavohu means. So when God speaks, God bring forth light, and then sees that light and calls it good, which is tov, this word tov, which means regenerative. And so God separates the light from the darkness, but as has been mentioned before, God keeps them both present. Yes, yes. In Mark 1, now you guys get this, follow, track. The spirit is hovering over the waters of repentance. That's what John's baptism was. It was the waters of repentance, and Jesus was in them. So what's being revealed in the baptism of Jesus? Well, here's what I think. If God separated the light from the darkness in Genesis 1, then perhaps with Jesus in the water, with all those other people, God is bringing all separated things back together in Mark 1. Perhaps in Jesus, God is bringing all separated things back together in Mark 1. If God saw that the light was good in Genesis 1, then perhaps God is seeing Jesus as good, but all of humanity as good in Mark 1. When he says, you are my son, the beloved, with you I am well pleased. Perhaps that is really true about Jesus. But because Jesus is the Messiah, sent not only to save us from our sins, but also to show us the pattern of the new humanity, which is loved by God and filled with the Spirit and unified with all of creation, perhaps in this new beginning, we are being told that in under these waters, we are all unified and all loved and all called good by God. In Hebrews 12, 2, we read this, let us look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of joy set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, this word pioneer, it's a Greek word, archegos, and it literally means the one that takes the lead in anything and thus affords an example 
a predecessor and a pioneer. So Jesus was simply the first, the first to be filled with the spirit to, well, not the first to be filled with the spirit, but the first to walk in this new way of this, in this new humanity, which is loved by God called the beloved in which all separated things are brought back together. And if that's true, then how can we participate in this new creation? How can we get in touch with the God who is a present tense participant, even in these harrowing times in which we live? Well, I think like Jesus, marching up to the Jordan, into the river, we need to allow ourselves to be immersed in everyday water and also allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. We need to be immersed in everyday water and also allow ourselves to be led by the Spirit. You think about Jesus' interactions with everyday water, right? Uh, the common denominator seems to be change. Jesus changes water into wine. Awesome. He turns a storm on the Sea of Galilee into a glassy lake you could water ski on. He turns the sea into a sidewalk that he could walk upon. This everyday water that surrounds him in everyday life affords an opportunity for things to change. When Jesus saw everyday water, he saw the possibility of something different. Do you? When you see everyday water, everyday routine things in your life as they happen, do you see them as just one more mundane action? Or do you see them as a possibility for transformation if you would just allow yourself to be immersed in it? As Nate said, to be allow yourself to go through the process of life, death, and resurrection. And yes, Bob, without water, we don't live. What would it mean to immerse ourselves in experiences so that they change us, even ones we don't like? Will you, during Epiphany, Allow yourselves to see everyday water as an opportunity to immerse yourself in the joy, pain, sadness, chaos, and life of life so that you can change and so that life can change. This is the path set before us that Jesus makes. And then will you allow yourself to be led by spirit? Right after this passage in Mark 1, Jesus allows the spirit to lead him immediately into the wilderness to fast for 40 days. The spirit leading us lets us know that we're not alone. The spirit leading us in the way that spirit led Jesus um, reminds us that we're not tasked, you guys, with saving the world. <laughs> we are not tasked with saving the world. We are not meant to carry the load. We're meant to follow spirit where spirit leads us as it consoles us and guides us. Listen to how Jesus describes the role of the Spirit. This is from John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, when you see the world there, think the system. Don't think those bad people. Think the system of the world which keeps the channel of fear and power going. That system can't receive the spirit because it's antith antithetical to it. But you know him, Jesus says, because he abides with you and will be in you. That's John 14, 16, and 17. So 
people of Genesis, if we become people who allow ourselves to be changed by everyday water, and if we submit ourselves to being led by the empowering spirit, we will partner with Jesus in the creation of a new humanity, one that acts justly, one that loves mercy, and one that walks humbly with God. Amen. I want to catch up on the chat here. Nate, Christians who talk about the cross reconciling God with humanity, but the incarnation was what united God in humanity. When God united him, herself with us, taking on our fate, yes, taking on our nature, yes. Maybe salvation, connection with God happened at Christmas, not Easter. Oh, snap. I would say both and and more. Uh, Reagan, I think the tough part for me so when some people at the Capitol think they're following the Spirit, 100%, that's tough. Me too. Fruit of the Spirit, though, you guys. What is the fruit of the Spirit? We, if we say we're led by the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit has to follow. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. If we don't see the fruit of the Spirit, we're not being led by the Spirit. And that's not a judgment. That's just there has to be some reality to being led by the Spirit. There has to be some definition. And, and it's not because I believe these three things. It's what is the fruit of my actions. That's right out of the Bible for those of you who are keeping score at home. <laughs> and sorry, I got kind of like defensive right there. I didn't mean to get defensive. I'm, I'm just meant to be sort of um, passionate about those of us, any of us who would claim to follow the Spirit. <laughs> and Nate, of course, he would say both. And Reagan, yeah, someone needs to write a song about that. Um, and Bob, the cross is the proof that Jesus is humble. Again, the God of Christianity isn't the violent God of archaic religion, Rene Girard says, but the nonviolent God who willingly becomes a victim in order to free us from violence. Yep, that's the scapegoat theory of atonement. All right, everybody. Woo! Deep breath in. Let it out. Let's be people. Let's be people who follow Jesus into the creation of a new humanity. Let's be humble about that. Let's follow the Spirit into that. Let's let the everyday waters immerse ourselves in the everyday waters so that we can be changed so that we can see the world differently, so that we can see each other differently, so that we can see God differently, so that we can enter the old slash new creation that is always happening. Amen. Come on, people. Endings are a place where life is Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any, any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscove.org.